Have you seen the college costs today? It's stunning. And their realization prompts a few natural questions. Is it worth it? And why does anyone go to college anyway? My guest today is Beth Probst, founder and CEO at The Core. She inspired parents of college-bound students to think strategically about how to select the best fit college, major, and the career so they don't end up wasting precious time, energy, and money. Beth has asked thousands of students this question. Why does anyone go to college? And almost every kid, she says, answered, to get a better job. The value and purpose surrounding the huge investment became key topics of discussion for every family considering the college path. In this episode, we'll discuss practical tips for high school students to complete before the end of high school to move toward college with much more confidence and clarity, the emotional side and how students can learn about themselves, and finally, the ROI of why to go to college and much more. Tune in. You and I know that making smart financial decisions can be challenging, but in 21st century, financial freedom is no longer just for the 1% wealthy. It is for you and me. The question is, how do we find time, avoid making painful mistakes, and find the best resources to help us reach our financial goals? Join me on my journey helping busy families figure out how they can gain financial confidence and clarity get actionable tips, and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Shergunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. Hey, Money Bosses, are you ready to get your financial life in order? Once and for all, as soon as possible? Are you tired of living paycheck to paycheck? Do you often lose track of how much money you have to spend? Do you want to get your financial life together but just don't quite know how? I am with you. I've been there. I've struggled through all of these. And I know you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to get better. So why do you continue to struggle? I know you can get your own money in order. It took me years to figure out. It took me years of pain, struggle, frustration, anger. But you don't have to go through all of that. You don't even have to get a financial planning degree like I did in order to be successful. Allow me to present to you my Money Flow System, a free playbook of how you can automate your finances, even if you hate budgeting. After you download this free playbook, you will never have to worry about budgeting and who likes that budgeting thing anyway. You will stop accumulating debt and create a bulletproof plan of how to quickly pay it off. You will be able to pinpoint exactly what your income and expenses are. You will never have to miss a single bill again. And you will always, always have a solid idea of how much money is in each of your accounts. So head over to money-flowsystem.com to download my free Money Flow Playbook, a blueprint to streamline your finances in less of five weeks. Guaranteed. Head over to money-flowsystem.com.
everyone. Welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. I am excited to connect with you today. My special guest is Beth Probst. And today we're talking about how parents of teens can think strategically about college, major, and career selection. First of all, Beth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Anna. I'm so happy to be here and get to share just this concept and maybe some new ideas for families who are focusing on money and they they need some support to help their kiddo prepare for what's after high school besides the spending of money. <laughs> there's always totally. there's always spending of money when it comes to teenagers and and then college but but just more so ha- helping them move toward what is success for them. Awesome. And I, I I specifically wanted to connect with you on this topic because I frankly had quite a few conversations and discussions about the financial side of things. And so um, when you reached out, I got really excited because this is the topic we need to talk about more. And I am myself a mom to almost a four-year-old. So I feel like I still have a little bit of runway, but I am sure that before I know it, this this phase of my life will be here and I'll have to make decisions. So um, we got we got to talk now. So welcome again. So excited to, to connect with you. I want to start the kind of the, the first part of the discussion here from the angle of where I sit as, as a financial planner and the conversations I have with clients that are, you know, just having babies. And I'm like, okay, we know we need to save for college. And so here are the numbers, right? And so I help them figure that part out. But you're helping families navigate questions such as, is college worth it, uh, you know, after all? Or like, why do we need to go to college? Because you can take some online courses and become an entrepreneur and, and you know, make all your money overnight. So let's start there. Or 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 wait for it. Um, we have lots of teenagers now who t- let us know that they would like to be a social media influencer. And I'm like, okay. So, it, you know, and maybe in the, in the, in, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was, I'd like to be a professional sports athlete. Okay. You know, so, so sometimes I, I think what a lot of that stems from funny enough is that our kiddos have a very limited view of real world careers. You know, I, I, I'd love to find out how you came to do what you do. Um, most of us, our career paths have a little bit of twists and turns, but, but I think, you know, it, it's great for us in those years between birth and the time that big decisions need to be made to take some very tangible non-money actions that help our child prepare to make the best choices that they can at the end of high school because that's that's the launch pad that's the point that they're going to jump off into the next thing and if it if it's going to have if it's going to be college with lots of zeros we just want them to do that with confidence and with clarity I agree. And also looking at the numbers, right? And and I know you you see these numbers as, as well as, as you have conversations with these with your families. But for example, Harvard tuition is $76,000 per year in today's dollars. And I use that number a lot for planning purposes because that's sort of like, hey, for my California clients, do, are we going to go to uh, University of California type of schools, right? Which is half the cost. Or are we going to go like to the most expensive and kind of shoot for, for Harvard? And so if, if that's the case, then here's your monthly savings amount. Let's bake it into your budget, right? And so we can bring up a lot more examples of, you know, what these numbers can be and what families can afford. But I still think there's a, there's a you know, a much deeper question to ask. And also, how, how do you make sense of this when parents, younger parents, right, or parents of all, you know, 
ages know that sure. this is something that I, I suppose to do as a parent, right? And and so how do we connect that dot of like, okay, my child's supposed to go to college, but I'm not quite sure whether they are going to be, you know, college material. And then like, how do I even put them on the path? So I, all so, kinds yeah, of that, that's a lot of questions. I love that. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. It's like all of these questions <laughs> no, 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 together. No. I, I think it's very interesting. I think the first thing that we probably ought to say out loud is that anytime we're talking about our kids and their future, it is emotional. It is, there are emotions tied to that. We want the best for them. You've, you know, you've mentioned Harvard and the cost of Harvard and, and what a family might be shooting for. It's so common for families to want the best. And I'm putting the best in, in quotes, you know, because that looks different for different people. I want my child to go to the best college. I want my child to have the best opportunities. And, you know, after 10 years of watching families and helping families navigate this process, I become much more aware. I have become much more aware that families need to cast a wide net and to not limit themselves to just a handful of colleges that they, they quote unquote know in some way um, because they see it on a t-shirt or it's on the, the sports scroll on ESPN and, or we have this perceived concept of quality when it may not actually even be remotely the quote unquote best place for our child to be. So I think what, what I'd really want families to know first and foremost is that every student, every child is different and it's our job as, as we know as parents is to, to, to water them and feed them so that they grow into who they're going to be. But their path to success doesn't have to go through the, the, the college doors that have one name on them. Um, there are many universities that can support every student well. And I think if we go into it, recognizing and trying to be um, a smart consumer and a careful user of our family resources to pay for college, that can be very helpful. So the emotional side, if we can just recognize that, say that up front, know it's a thing, and, and try to kind of hedge against that. So, so that's first and foremost. I think the second thing that, on, that ties very much into the money side and the, the economic realities of paying for college today, and Anna, um, my husband and I are paying for two in college right now simultaneously. So good, good times, good times at our house. Um, yes. So, so the care of, again, the, 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 well, we're going to get to this phrase, the, the return on the investment. If anyone is getting ready to fork over the kind of money that you mentioned for Harvard or even for any college less than that, um, there has to be a return on that investment or an anticipated return on that investment. And I think the scariest part for families is when their kiddo gets to the end of high school and perhaps they had their head down and they took classes, tests, quizzes, went to the next year, took the next classes and quizzes. Imagine your kiddo is head down, head down, head down. And I think we sort of hope, we cross our fingers and hope that they get to the end of high school and magically know what they want to do. That mm -hmm. is not going to happen. They have to do stuff during those middle school and high school years that help them 
move toward those better decisions. If, if, if our kiddo gets to the end and they're essentially clueless about why they're going to college and yet we cross our fingers and pay lots and lots of money and just hope that they figure it out. In my book, Anna, hope is not a great strategy. I'm, I'm a better believer in taking action, doing things, eliminating options, getting closer to what can be a great fit. Um, and that that is our way, I think, as families to be um, responsible in the way that we're, we're projecting that potential return on investment. Is your student having an idea of why they're going to college in the first place? Does that make sense? I hope I've, I've articulated yeah. that well. Totally. And, and you've, you've asked us uh, of me in, in the previous point is how did I make a decision about yeah, going to college? Tell me, tell and me. So very much, uh, I'll definitely share very much uh, without any thought because, you know, having to come from an immigrant family and the goal was, the mission was to go to college. That was it. That's all I could, you know, could hear from my parents because that's expected, right, of, of someone who's, um, Yes. had to work so hard for. So I did, right? And I, without any preparation, anything in terms of thinking about what would my career will be like, the only thing I did know going in is that I wanted to be a doctor. And so again, that's a typical cliche thing that I think immigrant families put in your mind or society does, right? You're supposed to be a doctor, a lawyer, or, you know, or an engineer. Yeah. 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 That's, that's somebody, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. who represents success, but I changed my majors, right? And it was on, on, uh, in my uh, junior year, I decided that I didn't want to be in school. And so I was like, well, business sounds really exciting. And so I just switched. I really was admiring uh, the, the, the building where all of this business classes were. For, that's it. I was like, oh my God, this seems exciting. And business yeah. Big. I mean, is that a great decision? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's a pretty building and, and they are pretty exciting. Some of the new business buildings are like they might have the like the stock market scroll and there might be, you know, like, you know, so so it's funny what entices us sometimes. And and a lot of times students that change majors, I mean, business majors, um, the number of students studying business across America is the largest bucket of students. And so a lot of students may start in something and end up in business. So that's not uncommon what you're saying. And so you ended up in business. And how did you hone in on the finance side? On the that Also totally, uh, well, being clueless about what, you know, what I can do in business and sort of looking at what were the concentration tracks, right? It was marketing, accounting. I did not want to do accounting. I'm not an accounting type, you know, I am, I ultimately became a financial planner, but for other reasons. Um, so accounting, uh, marketing and uh, and just you know straight out this oh international business that was it because I had a girlfriend who took that path so I kind of just you know focused on just the, you know just the overall without having to pick any concentration and so one of the last classes in 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 the senior year was investments course and that kind of just introduced me to the world of personal finances now I did not like the investments. That was not the favorite class, but it, I got exposed, right? And so, because I was asking myself a question at that point is, well, once now that I graduate, what do I do? Where do I work? What would, what, it's like, I'm, I'm a business major. It sounds so, so cool and so awesome, but what is my career? And so that is, I know you're smiling and, uh, you know, folks can't, can hear that, I, but- I, I, I love I, I love this journey. I love that you, it, you so the great thing was, Anna, that you were trying on these things, um, much like 
Um, I was just at TJ Maxx today. I'll share this. I was trying, I have to, I, we have a wedding in a few weeks to go to and I don't have an appropriate dress to wear to this wedding. So it's a Friday evening wedding. It's gonna be super fun, but I'm, I'm in TJ Maxx and, and I was trying on some jackets to go with this dress. So just like we try on those jackets and see how they look and see how they feel and can I move my arms well, I think you were trying on things in college and you were saying, does this fit? And you were evaluating, you know, what do I want more of? What do I want less of? How do I get closer? And then you were trying to lift your head up and look out into that career world and, and, and connect the dots between who you were, what you were figuring out about yourself and the kind of work that would play to your strengths and your interests and ultimately make you happy. And, and be joyful about the work that you do. So I honor that you were taking those steps. I would recommend that students back those, those steps up, those experiences into their high school years, mm -hmm. if possible. So how, so, so talk a little bit, because that's, I think this, that's exactly the missing part I didn't have, or I didn't have resources. I didn't, I just, you know, I thought I was supposed to figure this out myself. And like you said, like, you're supposed to know, right, where you're going to be when you grow up. And you're not supposed to change your mind. So, so please talk about how you help families and students to kind of get on that track. And I know it could start much sooner than high school, right? Or even it, college it, years. It, it can. And I think I, I would say for any parent with younger students, you know, even someone with, with kiddos your age, um, I love those first jobs that a four-year-old and a five-year-old and a six-year-old start to talk about, right? They, they may love the librarian and mm -hmm. say, oh my gosh, I just want to be a librarian. Or they may think that they may go by the fire station and think that, you know, the, the firefighters are just the coolest thing ever. And I want to do that. And so I, I would just tell every family, fostering and facilitating those conversations about work and, and imparting at an age appropriate way with, with your kiddo, what it is that you do, what you struggle with in your job, what, you know, today is a day I get to go in and do this today in my job. And I'm really excited to do that because, you know, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be interesting. It's going to um, make me think, and we're going to make progress. However you want to describe that to your kiddo, is going to, they're going to sort of store away all those little stories about your work and they're going to believe they're listening and they're watching. Um, they're also consuming um, social media at some age. They're consuming um, television programs. They're, they're learning, sadly, um, a, 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 a sort of not correctly um, represented version of different jobs that are out there. So for example, um, you know, all the high schoolers out there today watching all the CSI type shows, you know, mm -hmm. the, the crime scene investigators of the world smack their forehead and say, I hate that they represent it that way because we don't do that that way. And, and it, it ends up then giving kids like a warped version of reality of what jobs are. So, so I guess, as, so talking to your kids, knowing that they get exposed to those things, but counterbalancing that exposure with reality. So if a kiddo has an interest in forensic psychology, find a way to investigate that career a little, a little bit more. Like where do forensic psychologists work? Are they, do they work for the government? Do they work in a prison setting? Do they work, are, are they, are they in a dangerous kind of 
situation? I mean, let's find out more about what, what that really means. And so then you're filling in the gaps for a student about what real world careers are, um, just to pick on that one. And, and I think, um, again, they're tucking those things away <clears throat> and they're learning also, hopefully together, you're learning how to investigate careers that are out there. Anna, we've been using a phrase called career illiteracy. Um, I, I tried it out on some students, some actual real live high school students. I told them that I've been saying to the world that they are career illiterate. And I wanted to know, <laughs> I wanted to know how they felt about that. And they they thought about it for a minute because illiterate's an uncomfortable word. Yes. And and they and they looked at each other and they said, no, no. I think that's, that's probably right. We probably are career illiterate. And yet we count on them to be able to make some decisions about the kinds of careers um, that could be right for them. So, so these are things we need to help them fix. Um, on sort of the flip side of that coin of learning about mm -hmm. careers, they also have to learn about themselves. And that's another thing that I think as parents, we often notice some of the things that our kids struggle with, some of the things that they're really strong in, like we may notice that our kid on the playground is the is the mediator. Like they they get between the groups and they're gonna they're gonna help solve that problem. That's a strength. That's a a natural innate strength that your kiddo has. That as a parent, if you can help your student know, help your child know what kinds of strengths you see in them what you see them struggling with, what you help them identify what they find interesting, what they prefer. If they're given a, a choice between this and this, you know, what's your preference and how do you decide on that preference? What things they value? Those are the things that are gonna be the keys later on in life that help them move toward a, wor a work environment and a work role that can be a great fit for them. So it really starts with helping them shine a flashlight inside of themselves. Who am I? What makes me tick? Um, what's What makes me joyful? What do I struggle with, right? And then mm -hmm. learning how to connect that to careers that can be a great fit for them. And then way down the line, <clears throat> once you have that wisdom of those first two steps, being able to hone in on what would I study in college that would help me move toward those careers that I'm thinking about? And then, and then, oh, by the way, because you do have to pay the tuition bill, put all the stuff in the car, drive it to the campus, you do have to ultimately pick an institution. But to, to in my mind, that is, that is the last mm -hmm. thing. That is not the first thing, but families focus on that first, often because they've never heard this strategy before. They've never heard self-assessment, career exploration, then think about what I would study, then think about where I would study. And I would also argue just to, to put even another twist in there, that if your kiddo recognizes that the kinds of careers that they're moving toward don't require a traditional four-year degree, great. You look for other educational paths. Maybe they're, maybe the career um, has a stackable credentials type approach where they start um, like in healthcare with a state tested nursing aid um, credential 
And then when they take on more responsibility, they can become a licensed practical nurse. And then they stack another credential on top of that and become a registered nurse. Just as an example, maybe that's you know what's appropriate for them. Um, maybe the thing they want to do requires a graduate degree. So then your family has to plan for not only, you know, who's going to pay for this four years of college, but how do we move forward into that graduate program? So I, I think when we think this way, we end up being able to plan, being more mindful about why anyone is going to college mm -hmm. and what their, what their, what their purpose. And I'm, I'm snapping my fingers because I'm here to tell you as a mom, those four years of college, Anna, they fly by. You, mm -hmm. you, you drop your kid off in the dorm and you wave goodbye. And it's like, we're scheduling graduation. No, how did this happen exactly? It's very, very fast and very expensive. And so um, what your kiddo does when they're there is really important. And if they're gonna go in undecided and just sort of hope that some magical thing is gonna happen that allows them to figure out what they wanna do, I, I think that's also, um, being very wishful and hopeful. And I'm, I'm better at taking action during those high school years. And I have some ideas around some, some little tips on how to take action, what kinds of things I'm talking about. But, um, but that's a good spot for a pause. I haven't heard from you in a minute. No, I apologize. I just got on a tear there, Anna. You're totally, uh, no, you're sharing, you're sharing what you came here to share. So I appreciate that very much. One comment I wanted to make because you were talking about, you know, exploring careers and, you know, for not, all, not even a four-year-old, but this, we just, Halloween was just yesterday. So um, we had a policeman in the house and he's been obsessed with, last year was fireman, but I think I kind of more instituted that. This year he was more selective and, you know, making decisions on that. So he's, again, a face, right? Is he going to be a policeman? I don't know, but that's what fascinates him right now. And that's what, and he's a police car outside and it's like, oh my God, I have to check it out. So um, that's, I guess, a first step to um, to starting to evaluate. And um, I'm going to be more open-minded and observant about what's happening now that I've heard you connect, connecting the dots for me. So um, it, because I'm, you know, still the time will go by really fast, but I'm at the early stage of, of this uh, of this journey. I wanted to ask, I have some friends who have, you know, uh, uh, kids who are a little bit older and they're, you know, maybe perhaps starting high school or even um, graduated in high school. So is, is that, is it, is that point too late? Because if you're graduating high school, you're most likely going to college. And so what, what is, what can be done here? Because to me, it feels like, oh my gosh, I've made a mistake because I, I applied for so many colleges and then now I accepted, I got accepted somewhere I'm going, which was more like my path. So please comment on that. It's, it's never too late. Um, I, I, I would tell every family you jump in right where you are. And when those college decisions are looming, um, so we're recording this um, in, in early November, it is a time when a lot of, um, we're actually entering a lot of deadlines for mm -hmm. college applications right now, um, those that are applying like early action or early decision. But Anna, no decision actually has to be made until May 1st of that student senior year. So they have a wonderful window of time where the applications are done and they can still um, do lots of things that allow them to make a better decision in, in you know, by May 1st. What kinds of things, I, I would tell that student, if they feel like they are in a weak spot in articulating their own 
strengths, struggles, interests, values, preferences. Um, we help with that. There are also, uh, that's something we can, can talk about in a moment, that that's a, a very one-on-one -on -one thing that we do together with families and have done that for 10 years or with students specifically. But a, a lot of times a student or a student and a parent can kind of work through some of the thinking together. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen, you know, you in a situation where you excel when you do these kinds of things. So being able to, again, just begin that conversation related to strengths and struggles and values and, and interests with that student. In addition, then, the next step would be for that student. So we do we do a wonderful, it's probably one of my favorite webinars. It's called Why Go to College? It's a free, um, we do a ton of, of free and low-cost webinars um, intended to just support and supply information to families. We have a lot of do-it-yourself families. That webinar in and of itself helps students understand and we demonstrate in that webinar how to use four different free career exploration and research tools that are out there. So, so if, if a kiddo in high school, at the end of high school is heading toward college, they, they at least have, usually, they at least have a couple things that they know they could never do, right? I could never do anything that deals with blood. I don't, or I don't want to touch people, whatever those truths are, right? And then, but they will say, but I've always liked, you know, my creative writing class, or I always liked, you know, those chemistry experiments that we got to do, or hands-on science experiments, whatever the, whatever nugget that student can give you, use those little bits and pieces to start understanding what careers might be tied to those interests or strengths. And that way that student just begins to learn, how do we even come to know about real world careers? And again, back to that career illiterate um, phrase that I was using before, our students are incredibly limited in their real world career knowledge and it's not okay. It's, it's, it's actually completely unacceptable because they have this, their limited view, you know, they know what a teacher does, they kind of know what mom and dad does, <clears throat> they know what a doctor and a nurse and a dentist do because they visited one. Um, if they're a sporty kid and they ever got injured, they visited um, perhaps a physical therapist and then they get really excited because physical therapist is wearing comfortable clothes and is like sporty themselves. And they're like, yeah, I'd like to be a physical therapist. But they have no idea what yes. that, that education entails. They have no idea what that job really is aside from the, the personal interaction because there's a lot of parts to it that students don't know. So, so that limited view is not okay. We have to take those those blinders off and help that student understand what jobs are really out there. There are some exciting career fields that our kids just don't know anything about. And it could be the thing that, again, makes them joyful on their, on their way to work every day. That's what I want is for those kids um, when they finish up whatever schooling they're in to almost like chuckle um, on their way to work and think, I get to go do this today. This is pretty cool. They pay me to do this and, and I like it and I'm good at it. And yes, there are always some things that I don't like. We all, there's little things in our jobs, but if you can minimize those and maximize the great parts, then that's good for everyone. I agree. I wanted to, um, you, you asked about this earlier too. And so 
going from uh, an idea when I started college uh, that I wanted or I was supposed to, I don't know whether I wanted it or not, um, but I was supposed to become a doctor and then changing my majors. So justifying, you know, the transition from wanting to be a doctor and, you know, the idea of why is to help people to seeing myself doing the same, taking the same role, but also you know, on the finance side. And so that's, that would made sense to me. And, you know, it was intriguing. And I found that I found in doing this work, personal financial planning, I found that role and that why and purpose. But did I think of that right at the beginning? No, again, I was really excited about the fancy business school building <laughs> and what was going on there. So and you know, Anna, Anna, that's so funny. I almost mentioned that before when you mentioned your shift from doctor to ultimately financial planner. My head, because I think careers 24-7, went down to the thing that's common between those two, which is helping people. It's just the mm -hmm. method by which you were helping, you know, you would have been as a physician was through the medical healthcare field versus through through the we could call it the financial healthcare field, right? With making sure people are healthy on that financial side. So I, I think what you're indicating though is back to that aha moment that you had of what it was that you, what would make you joyful on a day-to-day -day basis was helping others. It's just the vehicle, right? The method of helping them could look lots of different ways. I mean, you could have gone a, a social worker route. Mm -hmm. You could have been a teacher, you know, there's help, helping people is a is a strong thing that a lot of students feel, but being able to add to that um, and the next layer of right, what is what is sort of my subject matter expertise that I'm going to layer on top of that, that's where they sometimes get a little bit stuck and can use some help. Totally. I, I now that you're describing all these steps to me and these guided self-assessments that someone can go through, it it makes perfect sense. But I didn't even have to think about that. I was just I was just thinking that's my path to this career, and that's how it happens. So naturally or not, I wanted to follow up on something that um, this this was also a situation. Um, with my family, but I know that in conversations I have with with my clients, where we're you know talking about savings and significant savings, right, to pay for that Harvard type of education or yep. cost of school, what happens? And so some parents aren't quite sure, right? Because you can't be sure when your child is four years old whether they are going to go to college. But then you're looking at the cost of college, and it's a lot. And you're like, okay, well, if I can, if I don't save now, I'm losing the time, right? And maybe. Maybe I will oversave. And when you get to the point of making a decision or your child makes a decision and they decide to I take a year off. So there's some stigma around that, right? Why would you take a year off? So how do you help parents kind of parents and students navigate that that phase? Because that's probably necessary in a lot of cases, right? As from what we just discussed. And not so, a bad idea. No, no, it's not, it's not a bad thing at all. I I well. I, I, it's very interesting whenever I describe that gap year or, or if I hear someone wanting to do that gap year, I would dig a lot deeper into what's, you know, what's causing the desire for that gap year. Well, my student has question marks over their head. They don't know what they want to do. If that's the case, then a gap year in a structured and deliberate way can make a lot of sense. A gap year just to kick the can down the road a year and hope at the end of that year, something magical happened and they figured it out. That's again, unrealistic. So a structured and deliberate 
set of activities that would happen within that gap year. And what would that include? That would probably include job shadowing. It would include informational interviews. It would include other forms of career exploration. It might include um, earning some sort of credential or certification. Um, it might include part-time work. Uh, just uh, kids often don't connect the relevance of their high school work to what it is they will do in their life when they're done with school. So think about it, Anna. I mean, there are the core courses that our kiddos take in high school. They take English, they take math, they take science, they take social studies. They take uh, some other things too, which we'll talk about in a second, but those four may, may not excite your child. And so then, then, and your kiddo is, has, is living these classes every day, every year. And they're like, these are not joyful. How am I supposed to take these experiences and translate them into quote unquote work? I will love, you know, I'm not seeing how to make that, that link. Um, so that gap year can and should be a time to really have this space to try out, to learn, to think about and then ultimately at the end of that year to be able to be closer to making decisions about a, a targeted career, understand something about the educational path to get to those careers, right? You can just use that year to, to learn, engage in experiences, um, evaluate those experiences, eliminate some options and get closer to the things that can be a great fit for them. Um, if that student is still in high school, so before you need that gap year experience, I'm going to go back to, you know, the four main courses that we talked about, English, math, social mm -hmm. studies, and science that our kids have to take. Well, the, they also have to take, in, in states across America, they have to take electives. And those mm -hmm. electives, honestly, they are your ace in the hole. They are your student's opportunity to try out something that they've always wanted to know more about and they've always wanted to dig into this, whatever this is. So it could be graphic design, it could be, um, could be a fitness class. You know, they've been thinking about doing something with physical fitness or with, with bodies or um, can, can, I'm not gonna say it right, kinesthesiology. Oh, that's terrible. Kinesthesiology. Yes, it's late in the day. I'm like, I, I need all my words. Um, I've used up too many today. They may think I've been interested in money and business and we have this, um, this accounting elective inside my high school. Maybe I take that. And, and that story, Anna, is um, the story of my oldest. Uh, he took that an accounting class. He took a personal finance class and you'll, you'll chuckle. He's uh, about ready to graduate now with his accounting degree and a minor in finance and um, heading out into the, into the world of business, math, and money. But it really started, Anna, with, it, he was always good at math, right? So you could see that early on. And then he got to take that elective. And he was like, hmm, people mm -hmm. use math in business. And they do this. And I'm, I'm very logical. And this is very structured. This kind of feels right. So electives are so important. And if your kiddo can't take an elective inside their high school, because, well, if they can't take one, if they can't find one that matches up with their interests, you can find dozens of other ways to engage with those interests. The world is full of online learning opportunities. There are people inside most communities 
who do things for a living that, you know, just doing a quick informational interview with someone to learn more about what does an accountant do? What does, back to the forensic psychologist, you can find people who are joyful to talk about their work and share that with your students. So there's really no reason why your student can't there's really no reason why your student can't get those kinds of touch points that they need to be able to make better decisions at the end of high school. Yes, and, and also, yes, uh, the, that gap year that you talked about. And so one of the other things I've heard too, just heard from conversations with friends who have older, you know, older students, is that college is very competitive right now. There's there's no such thing as 4.0 GPA. And, and then they're like, four point something. And I was like, does that even exist? So <laughs> I'm not that old, but still like that was the top of the line for me when I was applying. So how, and I suppose that doing this kind of work does prepare you for that, but how does someone kind of see going through and doing all of this work initially get you to possibly, right, be the most competitive student to get into these institutions that, you know, someone is desired to go? So this, it's, a, it's a tricky balance, Anna, because if a student is pouring every moment of every day into, um, into the, the tenths and hundredths uh, of, of, a, of a number in their GPA, then that student is, 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 well, they're pouring a lot of effort and time into just that. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that what colleges want to see are students who are well-rounded. Mm -hmm. Their application will be considered from a holistic standpoint, not just from that GPA standpoint. There's lots of things that will be considered. And, and I think none of us want to see our student sad and frustrated and struggling over one point or two points or, or even worried to the point where, you know, I'm not going to get into a college because I didn't, because I only got an A minus in that class. I'm here to tell you there's 2,000 four-year institutions that are out there. We talked about this uh, toward the toward the top of this episode. It, I, I know that of those 2,000 four-year institutions, many can be a perfect fit for your student and can support them in their goals of moving through those four years of education toward work they will love. And there are two books I'm gonna recommend. Mm -hmm. um, one is called uh, Where You Go Is Not Who You'll Be. It's mm -hmm. one of my favorites by Frank Bruni. It is such a, a brilliant analysis of, it's in essence, um, he takes the idea that our kiddos should get into the, 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 the best college they can get into. And he really turns that idea on, on its head and talks about why that may have some unintended consequences. Um, there's, a, there's a chapter from, I think it was the David and Goliath book with uh, Malcolm Gladwell. There was a little chapter in there, um, uh, set just a second, just a second little thing to tell you about. Um, this kind of big fish, little pond, little fish, big pond mm -hmm. idea. And yes. so told the story of this one college student who wanted to study, I think, science. And she had her eye on this big university and she ended up getting in there and she was a little fish in a very big pond. And she wasn't um, getting the kind of opportunities that she was hoping for. Um, and my husband often says there's a bottom 25% at Harvard. Um, you know, there, is, there are kids hanging on to that bottom, you know, and so the idea was if that kiddo would have gone 
to a place where she was the big fish in the mm -hmm. little pond. You know, perhaps she would have been hand selected uh, to work on a research project with a professor. Maybe she would have had an opportunity to um, be on a study that was published or, or have work experience. So thinking about that, that's just concept number two, just a little chapter within David and Goliath. The other um, book is called Who Gets In and Why? And mm -hmm. it's by uh, Jeffrey Salingo. Uh, love him. Think he does uh, some great work in the in the uh, area of research and data related to college admissions. So I would really recommend anybody worrying about those numbers to the point that they're thinking, you know, we won't have any options at all if the child's GPA is not over 4.0. Um, I think some some relevant, um, bring it down a notch with some data that comes from some national professionals like those three individuals um, could be good good reading for everyone in that family. I love it. Thank you so much. I, I, I As you're describing these things, I have a, like a list of people I want to share this with already. So <laughs> <laughs> this would, this will not go unnoticed, I promise you. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and so, Anna, the, the whole thing is that is that in the end, after those four short years are over, wherever our kids are, it's what they do when they're there that matters. The name mm -hmm. of that institution matters in some ways. We could we could really debate how. Um, really matters in, in how big your tuition bill is. <laughs> That's part of it. <laughs> But I would really argue that it is it is truly about what your child does in those four years on campus that makes that launches them, propels them toward joyful work, much more so than the name of the institution where they went. Yes, I'm sure there are parents who would debate with you on that, but we're going to leave that for the next episode. And so <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. At this juncture, how can our families get in touch with you? So. Anyone is welcome to subscribe. I would recommend just subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, we produce a free newsletter filled with high school, college, and career planning information. Comes out every single Sunday morning. Um, you would get to that on www.gettingatthecore.com, all spelled out, getting the word getting, G-E-T-T-I-N-G, at thecore.com. Um, when families subscribe, they'll again um, get that little bit of support every single week and they'll learn a little bit more about what we do and what our, our philosophies are and what our other support tools are. I mentioned earlier those free and low cost webinars um, mm -hmm. where we, we do those all through the year. We record them. Um, families can access them in lots of different ways. Um, and then we also do that, uh, that I mentioned earlier, we help students on the self-assessment side. So we've done for 10 years, we've done a process called guided self-assessment. It's probably our greatest joy to be able to sit one-on-one -on -one with a student <clears throat> who needs that help, um, needs that support with a third party, thinking about who am I, what am I good at? What do I struggle with when I'm honest? Um, what kinds of experiences have I had that could that we could really talk about that have some clues that can lead toward making better decisions? So we interview that student, um, Anna, five one-hour interviews with a teenager. Wow. <laughs> a long time wow. ago, I thought, do I really want to sit across the table from a teenager? They are fascinating. They have so much to say. And, and often it's just that nobody's ever asked them some of the questions that we ask. Wow. They've never thought about these things before. 
So they have to want to do it. They interact with us through those interviews. And then we're catching all of their answers. Um, we're taking notes. We're actually um, looking at their nonverbals as well. So we can watch if their toe is really tapping in this section. You know, we can make a note of that if their head drops and they say, and then I go to third period. We're like, I don't think this student likes third period very much. <laughs> so mm -hmm. all, those, mm -hmm. all those things are really, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but um, we look at all that. We analyze everything that the student said. Um, they do some homework in between. And then we're able to come back to that family and help them um, see the results of the self-assessment. Here's what your student said, their strengths, their struggles, their interests, their values. And then we put together a list of, <clears throat> we put together a list of uh, potential careers for exploration. So uh, given all those things that that student shared, we can very clearly see, you know, usually there's there's maybe four different buckets, you know, here are the ones in this bucket. They need to think about careers that look like this. Um, here's another bucket, maybe the business bucket or the music bucket or the whatever, right? So, so they're categorized kind of into clumps. And then um, we share out about those. And then we do three additional meetings with the student to help them learn how to actually do that career exploration. We connect them to a professional so that they learn how to perform their first informational interview. It's so much fun when the kiddo comes away from that and they say, I just got to talk to uh, you know, a tax accountant. That's the best thing ever. And, and they may say at the end of that, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> and that, and that would be, yeah. So we help them through all that. It's just a one-on-one -on -one process called guided self-assessment. There's, there's nobody out there that does uh, something like that. And it's very, it's very personal and one-on-one -on -one, um, and families uh, have, have met, several families have sent all of their kids through that process with us because they recognize the value of the process. Awesome. Definitely. We'll, I will include all of this in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for such an informative conversation today. Definitely got me some things to think about <laughs> and start to explore and share with, with clients and friends and everyone who has kids and, and needs to make these decisions. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to provide some food for thought and we're always here and, and welcome to uh, answer quick questions and um, just encourage families to find the right tools that can help their student make a great decision at the end of high school. Totally. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, Money Boss. Thanks for tuning in today. If this episode did help you, then please be sure to share it with someone else you think will benefit from it too. After all, smart financial decisions are for everyone. Uh, so don't be greedy. I hope I can help you even further by sharing with you how thousands of clients I worked with in my career over the last 16 years created their very own successful financial lives on their terms. It's hard for me to do this over an audio, and if you are ready for the next chapter in your life, then be sure to go to mainstreet-money.com to get your free resource guide to help you begin correcting top six financial mistakes I see people make all the time, such as not having clear financial goals, not having a handle on spending or saving for the future, not knowing how to get rid of all the debts, and of course, not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money. Until next time, remember, you are the boss of your money.